Hey, welcome to Housewarming, a podcast about climate policy and solutions in Chicago, Illinois, and beyond. I'm Sarah. This episode is sponsored by Collective Resource Compost, a company working to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by diverting food scraps from landfills and hauling them to a commercial composting facility. Learn more about Chicago area pickup services at collectiveresource.us. The general election is, is approaching quickly on November 3rd. Alongside judges, the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District race is the one we hear voters say that they are the most unprepared for when they enter the voting booth. The Metropolitan Water Reclamation District manages wastewater, otherwise known as water entering the sewer system from your home and rainwater. Waste and rainwater mix in the sewer and are sent to one of the several treatment centers in Cook County for treatment. Every day, the system treats 1.3 billion gallons of waste and stormwater. You may remember from episode three of this podcast that when the sewer system becomes overwhelmed, homes and neighborhoods can flood and the MWRD temporarily halts treatment of this water and releases it directly into the Chicago River. Your vote for candidates in this race can impact you on an everyday level when it comes to flooding, clean water in the Chicago River, the presence of green spaces in your community, and so much more. In this episode, I'm talking to Ada Carrell Sepulveda. She was endorsed by the Cook County Democratic Party, along with incumbents Cam Davis and Kim Dubuclet. I met Ada when we were competing for the Democratic Party endorsement and was quickly impressed with her views about equity, accessibility, and community engagement. This interview was recorded before the primary election. I hope you enjoy our conversation, which has been lightly edited for length and clarity. Welcome to Housewarming. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, she is running for the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. Why don't you introduce yourself, special guest? Hi, Housewarming. How are you guys doing? My name is Ada Corral Sepulveda. We met when we were both on the campaign trail this summer, going to various committee person meetings, and I didn't know who you were at first, and I actually looked up on Facebook for someone named ADA, which is why I didn't find you at first. Ah. I sometimes just tell people it's Ira Corral Seplavada. So if you see that on the ballot, that's it's the same person as this like beautiful version that she's saying. Can you say your name again? Ada Corral Sepulveda. Beautiful. I really, I will say, I, I really appreciated having met you at Slating. I don't, I don't think we met prior to that day, correct? We did. We met, we ran into each other at a couple of meetings specifically okay okay but we didn't really get to talk talk right 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 like we finally got to talk talk at slating yeah and i was like i told my campaign manager i was like oh i like her so much why (laughs) (laughs) you know i i think that experience is really cool just to be like sitting there in a room you know i for listeners the slating day process is is quite an endeavor you know all of these leaders throughout the county gather together and they make decisions on who the Democratic Party is going to support. And it's 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 complex sometimes. You know, I don't I don't know that we I didn't know what to expect. I'm not sure what you expected going in, but I was really super nervous. But I think like talking to you and having another millennial woman just jumping in really was was cool to to have the opportunity to geek out with someone else. Why don't you tell us a little bit about MWRD? MWRD is the district that is in charge of making sure that 
Lake Michigan is not contaminated and our waterways continue to be protected. We do stormwater management as well. So when it rains and it pours, or unfortunately sometimes when it floods, that's also within our jurisdiction for about 15 years now. What do you mean by it protects Lake Michigan? So we have, whenever you use water at home, industrial, commercial business, all of the water after you use it, we make sure that it gets to one of our sewer treatment plants and that it is treated properly before we send it downriver. Okay, and downriver isn't the lake? No, no. We, back in the 1900s, spent a lot of effort into reversing the flow of the Chicago River, and now we do not have our our wastewater effluent go into Lake Michigan. And, you know, it it was a pretty pretty great engineering endeavor. We have a lot of people that are very concerned about the quality of their water that's provided to the tap. And even though it's not within our jurisdiction to provide water directly to your tap, that's more of a municipal government function, I do think that it's very important to continue to be advocates for clean water and and the access of all communities to clean water as the human right. And I also think there's opportunities to, to partner. You know, as we're digging to replace sewers, there's, I think, you know, an opportunity to maybe collaborate with municipal government in doing some cost sharing. And we have to dig up for our our sewer replacements. And there's a water main, you know, if you plan strategically, there could be some cost sharing or some cost savings in that for communities that, that have the ability to do that but need some support. Oh, that's really interesting. What about that task of managing storm and wastewater appealed to you? What made you say, hmm, I'd like to run for MWRD? So I jumped into the water, uh, no pun there, uh, because uh, I think our water is our future. And I knew you would appreciate that one. Um, Our water is our future, and what we do with our rainwater, uh, how we protect our freshwater resources, it matters. And we, we need to be uh, more conscious about how we manage this effort uh, in a comprehensive way. Our infrastructure is very dilapidated. Our technology is somewhat outdated. We could do some improvements. And I really think you know we lack an environmental justice strategy at the moment. And I see a need for a greater vision on that. I'm excited that you want to work on that. We talked the day after slating. Based on our conversation during slating, I was pretty confident that I knew what I was going to do, but then I was like, let me check in with her and make sure we're on the same page. And so we had this fantastic conversation that completely changed my perspective on how to get change to happen in MWRD. So I want to talk about some of the things we talked about that day. There is a study that was done by CNT. Why do you think it is that flooding happened more in black and brown communities in Chicago? Well, we know that black and brown communities are disproportionately impacted via the CNT study that was done. They did a flood equity report and they took a look at different data sets, particularly insurance claim and payments made to Chicago residents. And it's very clear. I think the visual of it is really 
alarming. You can very much tell that there is a disproportionate impact to black and brown communities. And, you know, I think when you try to assess, okay, well, what, what is happening? My sense is these are historically disinvested communities. And the infrastructure throughout the entire region is really dilapidated, but the lack of development in black and brown communities has had a direct impact with these communities being able to really have capacity in their, in their local uh, sewer systems to be able to connect into the MWRD system. What does that mean exactly, connect? So I like to use the visual of, if you imagine the MWRD system as a giant mop bucket, right? And that's supposed to take all the mess. And the local sewer system is a straw. And your neighborhood is like a 7-Eleven Big Gulp. So as your 7-Eleven <laughs> Big Gulp is filling up, all of that water is going through the straw into the bucket. At some point, when we get such heavy rain, the Big Gulp just gets full very quickly and the straw isn't big enough to get it fast enough to the MWRD. Our systems could also use some technology improvements. I think there's an opportunity to have optimization of our current system. You know, I think, like I looked into Kansas City, and they have the world's largest sensor network, and they use IoT sensors and data and uh, AI technology to collect all of this data and have kind of like blood control. So if you imagine a traffic control system, it tells, tells the system, you know, the flow, how to predict the flow of the gates, when to open it, when to close it. And so we could really benefit from that. So if there are communities that are struggling, you can open it in other, in other spaces as well. And optimizing the system, I think, would be really an improvement. But we have made pretty significant investments in our uh, great infrastructure. I think we could also improve our green infrastructure investments. And Looking at the EPA scent decree, we've only really allocated uh, a green infrastructure, a water capacity of 10 million gallons, so that those, those are our implementations. Where you look at a community like Milwaukee, for example, they have a goal of 740 million by 2035. So we, I think, could continue to also invest in green infrastructure. and. You know, I know you guys talked about green infrastructure on the show, but for listeners, green infrastructure are nature-based solutions. There's a variety of them, something as simple as a rain barrel, rain gardens, biofuels, permeable surfaces, green roofs, open land. All of this can be integrated into uh, our, currently, our current development via incentives. That, that's the kind of stuff that we're looking to have, to really give Mother Nature a little bit of support in absorbing this water. Also parks. Parks are my favorite green infrastructure because people get to play in them and like recreate <clears throat> yeah, them in so general. Yeah, so open land really important part of the process. It, you know, it's, there's an opportunity for us to have to partnerships with the Forest Preserve, Friends of, of the River, certainly to um, promote conservation, have habitat buffers, that's very uh, important. And when you have these habitat buffers, 
you're you're making sure that you know you're you're putting green infrastructure vegetation that can absorb that water and it, it doesn't run off into the sewer system and you know creates a problem for for the stormwater plus like this is clean water you then treat it as sewage water uh, when you when you mix it up you know we have a combined sewer system and if we can prevent that water from even entering the system it would present a cost savings in fact you know south bend is an example of a city that was able to have a 500 million dollar savings and they reduced their combined sewer overflows by 70 percent wow combined sewer just means that the wastewater and the rainwater go together so as commissioner of mwrd knowing that there's a disproportionate amount of impact on black and brown communities would you fight to put more green infrastructure into those communities to alleviate flooding absolutely i think uh one of the things that we could do is use green infrastructure not only to alleviate the flooding, but also to really promote a green economy and green job training. Uh, we need to train our workforce of the future and really be able to build leadership within these communities so that these decisions can be community-led. I think you know, with green infrastructure, there needs to be an equity component. Absolutely. What does that mean to you? It means that we prioritize communities. We look at at which communities need more support. And I think we also can implement uh, green job training as a way to work on environmental justice and make sure that we are engaging our communities and the workforce of tomorrow in this green economy. I, I think there's an opportunity to have partnerships with our school districts. CPS, U46 is a major school district out in my area. And I, I really feel that we need to start working on it rather quickly. We're going to have a lot of retirements and we'll need to make sure that there, our kids are prepared for that. You know what? I just realized we never said what you do for a living right now. Oh, yeah. I'm currently elected in Hanover Park, which is the Northwest suburb and in the westernmost part of of the county and i've ran for office of 23 and in the last 10 years i've been working diligently in good governance initiatives and transparency working with our business community and really just trying to create inclusive government for a very diverse community our hanover park is over 60 percent diverse we have a uh, over 40 percent latino 15% Asian, 10% Black, and overall 33% of our community is immigrant. So it's very important to to me to engage diverse representation and to make government accessible to those communities. I love those words, inclusive and accessible. One of my problems with the MWRD is that the meetings are in the morning on a weekday downtown. That is not a time and place people can go. Yeah. And they've recently started doing streaming thanks to Commissioner Garcia, which I'm a big fan of. But there's no way for the public to interact yeah. with the commissioners on that technology. So one of the things we talked about the day after slating was my concern about that. And you said you had some experience with that kind of thing. Do you want to tell us about that? 
Yeah, you know, I think it's really important to create spaces for community to engage. So part of what I've done as a leader in Hanover Park is lead a cultural inclusion and diversity committee, for example. And we've, we've created events that specifically engage community at an accessible time, right? I, I'll be frank, I'm not sure that I know the specifics as to why that time. I think, you know, certainly at, at the very least, we could have town hall meetings with our our residents in their respective areas. We serve an entire county. Yes. That's a very big app. So doing town hall meetings would really give us an opportunity to connect with our municipal leaders, whether it's Aldermanic or you know, the mayors of, of, of a region. And I think we'll find that a lot of them are going through similar issues. And when you start connecting people and you give people opportunities to engage, I think you start to create opportunities for solutions and collaboration. And that's that's been a big part of how I like to lead. I like to to work with with people, not just to you know uplift my own community. It's very important for me to have representation for the the groups that I identify with, right? So as a millennial, as a as a woman, as a Latina, it's important to have representation. But to create those spaces, it, it takes work. So you you have to put some initiative to it. So earlier you were talking about how how it's important for projects to be community led. Do you want to talk about that some more? Yeah. So you know, I think no one knows best what they what works for a community than the very community that resides there. So I think when you start to create, you know, resident-led organizations, whether they be, you know, official organizations or more non-traditional or working in partnership with community-based organizations, I think there's there's always an opportunity to work directly with community. I think the uh, CNT, you know, they're working with Elevate Chicago, for example, and they're doing some really good work with Logan Square so Neighborhood Association. And they're using cultural and climate assets, and it's addressing not only climate risk, but also displacement risk. And that's very important. You know, we, we have to be very cognizant that the environmental movement needs to be accessible to people of color as well. Because Absolutely. it's people of color that are most impacted globally and specifically most impacted in the city of Chicago by uh, climate change. <laughs> okay, can we talk about climate change? Yeah, okay. So I, um, I have a master's degree in global environmental politics, and for my master's thesis I did, basically I interviewed gardening groups from Chicago, and... It would, the idea was like how to figure out whether like super hyper local groups could pos- positively contribute to the to combating climate change. But one of the things I walked away with was that people don't like the politicization of environmental issues, so they didn't want to be called environmentalists. And in the same way, people kind of shy away from the words climate change. Like I can't tell you how many people told me not to say climate change during my campaign you and you just used it right like you don't seem to be afraid of it yeah 
So you can't be afraid of using the facts. We are getting extreme weather. You are seeing wetter weather. That's undeniable. You know, what we do about it, I think would be a better conversation. And it should, it should really be a bipartisan conversation. The facts should not be debating whether climate change exists or not. That, that's, that we're beyond that point. I think that we could have very real conversations about policies and how we build resilience and how we reverse the impact of climate change. I, I would hope that in the future, we, we can have those types of conversations within both of our parties uh, and even within our party. And it's inevitable. I'm very proud of having the, the endorsement of, of the party, but I'm most proud of the endorsements I've also have gotten from IPOs, uh, the independent political organizations, and multiple leaders throughout Cook County as well, Senator Dick Durbin, Senator Tammy Duckworth, several congressional representatives, Jan Schakowsky, Congressman Tui Garcia, Roger Krishnamurthy, and Robin Kelly, and there's there's a few others, but just it speaks to the coalition building that really started all of this. Uh, I'm I'm a millennial mom and a Latina leader, and I have over 10 years of experience in government and civic engagement and environmentalism, and it's been focused on really creating space that's inclusive of all communities. And so I'm very proud that uh, I've been welcomed uh, in so many different spaces that, you know, people hadn't really bothered to come around to. And I I've definitely feel like I've changed this race in making people show up to new places. And it's been a dynamic race. And I do hope that you will consider voting for for me, I'm also proud that I've been endorsed by the uh, three major newspapers, uh, and I thank you. No, not only did you endorse me, you you worked with me um, in sharing, uh, you know, ideas and how to tune my messaging, and I really appreciate that because it's 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 a it's a busy world, you know, and sometimes not everyone's able to, to give you that time. And I appreciate that you shared your time and your knowledge with me and, in you know, making my message better and saying, oh yeah, that sounds good. Or, you know, consider highlighting this or emphasizing this. So being, being the new kid, you know, in this race, I think uh, I have been the underdog and I've come out of nowhere and really shaken things up and I think that that that's been a really good thing uh, for the district and for the future of our water. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm glad that people are welcoming you and we hope to welcome you back to the podcast. Yes, please go vote in this very important race. It's a middle of the ballot race. People don't often know where to find it, but it's a we critical will. Um, part of your everyday life and our public health and the reason that we're able to thrive as as a city and as a county is because we have um, the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. Thanks for listening to Housewarming. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. You can send us suggestions for topics to housewarmingpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at housewarmingpod. This episode is sponsored by Collective Resource Compost, the Chicago-based company making home and business compost easy. Find them online at
collectiveresource.us and on Instagram at collectiveresource. Follow the pod on Twitter and Instagram at housewarmingpod. Remember to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to hear the latest episodes as soon as they're released. If you like the work we're doing, you can also become a supporter on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash housewarmingpod. Finally, if you own a small, environmentally friendly business and would like to sponsor an episode of this podcast, please send an email to housewarmingpod at gmail.com with attention, sponsorships, and the subject line. Thanks for listening.